Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 178. One of the most loaded questions you can ask anybody about a Royal Caribbean cruise is, what do I pack for the cruise? And boy, we could spend hours talking about what to pack for a cruise, but today we're going to focus on the things you might not think about in relation to the special activities and events that are on board a Royal Caribbean ship, including also, even more importantly, what you can't pack for a Royal Caribbean cruise. We hope this is an interesting insight into this whole world of packing and kind of the in and outs of packing for your Royal Caribbean cruise. Here we go. Royal Caribbean ships are known for having essentially something going on all the time, and in the evenings, there's usually a celebration, party, or just something fun going on. There are street parties, bands, dancing, and a lot of different events, actually, depending on the ship and the night of your cruise. And, of course, that leads to the natural question of, how do you pack for that? How do you pack for this cruise and make sure that you're properly prepared for it? That leads us right into this week's question, essentially. It's, uh, this episode is inspired by one of our listeners. Paul Siopic wrote me an email and says, One idea for a show would be what to pack for a cruise. I know there's a formal night or two, but I've also heard of other theme nights, like 70s or 80s nights. What other types of non-typical vacation clothes would we need? And also, what can't be brought on the ship? Curling irons, power bars for all of our electronics, etc.? And Paul, this is a great question, and I wanted to dedicate this week's episode to this idea. You know, what to pack for a cruise is a really loaded question. If you Google what to pack for a cruise, you will find probably hundreds of lists that, you know, if you were to actually aggregate all the items on there, you'd go up with a ton of stuff you probably don't need, right? So figuring out what to pack for a cruise is kind of a relative idea. But I wanted to talk about the different events and things that are going on in the ship that you would need to account for. And again, this isn't going to be a all-encompassing packing, what's packed for a cruise episode. This is more about trying to help you understand some of the events and things that go on board the ship so you can be properly prepared for it and understand what to expect. Now, first and foremost, when you hear about an event like 70s night or some other themed evening, some people might say, oh, geez, what? Do I have to get, do I have to participate? And the answer is no. These events are usually relegated to one part of the ship. As an example, uh, most times when you have 70s or 80s or even 90s night, it's basically on the Royal Promenade, and that's it. It's a very small area. You will not feel ostracized if you don't you know, pack the appropriate clothing. Heck, you can even show up to these areas wearing your normal clothing and be perfectly okay. I would venture to say most guests who come to these events are not dressed for it, although some people certainly do. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, when in Rome and... You certainly feel like more part of the event, and if it's really important to you, hey, it's a great way to really fit in, make new friends, and otherwise have a great time. But these events, again, are on certain nights of the cruise. Typically, it's hard to tell you, it's hard to give generalizations, right? Because there's so many ships in the fleet offering so many itineraries, and what's offered on Liberty of the Seas may not be the same as offered on Enchantment of the Seas, right? The best way to figure out, first and foremost, what events are on board your ship is to check out an old cruise compass. Now, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, we have a cruise compass section of the website where I post regularly any cruise compasses that people send me or I run across. And the idea behind this is to help people get a ballpark idea of what to expect. Now, you might not have the exact same schedule on your ship, but if you're going on Freedom of the Seas and you found a Freedom of the Seas cruise compass from last summer, and on night three it was 70s night, I'm just throwing something out there, right? Odds are you probably can expect a 70s night. It might be on night three, maybe on night four, who knows, but it's probably a reasonable expectation, and you can certainly pack for it or or not. I'll be honest, personally, I never pack for 70s night or 
any of those things. Maybe I'm just not fun anymore. <laughs> That's entirely possible. But if you are interested in doing that, you could absolutely do that. Certainly at these events, you'll find, you know, the crew members dressed up for the event. And there'll be other folks who will be there as well. If you're going for, as an example, if you're going on a Halloween cruise, there will be a Halloween costume event, whether it's a costume uh, contest or just a dance party. Certainly there'll be people in costume there. And I think some people would want to be prepared for it. So either way, it's always good to know, right? And when you're planning these events, this is why I recommend checking out Old Cruise Compass because you can get a ballpark idea of this type of events that have been offered on previous cruises to give you a better idea. Now, if you're asking, well, Matt, is there a definitive way to know if, I don't care about what night it'll be, but I need to know, will there be a 79 on my cruise? There is no definitive way to know. Royal Caribbean does not post that information in advance. The reason why they don't, uh, that it's been explained to me over the years, essentially is that they can't guarantee that it'll be offered in every cruise. And they don't want to get into the business of trying to manage expectations about it. So it's just simple enough for them not to post this information. And it's just one of those things that you have to kind of know about through these other means like brokerblog.com. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you certainly can plan for it by looking at old cruise compasses, but there's no guarantees one way or the other that it will occur. Now, to go back to Paul's original question, what things do you have to pack besides bathing suits, shorts, and whatever else you would wear for your, you know, that's not vacation clothing. Certainly, there are formal nights, and Paul mentioned that. And again, just like the theme parties, formal nights are also optional. You don't have to get dressed up. The formal night dress code only applies to the main dining room. Especially restaurants always have their own dress code, which supersedes the dress code anywhere else on the ship. So if it's, you know, not formal night on the ship, it the dress code in Chop's Grill is always going to be the, the dress code of Chop's Grill, regardless of what's going on. So keep that in mind and certainly if you're planning on going to any especially restaurants you probably just need to wear something nicer than you would up on the pool deck for men a collared shirt and pants pretty much suffices the only restaurant that i can think of that has a more stringent dress code for men i know for sure actually and, and this may not be the fact anymore because back when they had dynamic dining on the quantum class ships the grand actually had a jacket requirement uh but that's pretty much it. I mean, certainly some other restaurant experiences like Chef's Table or 150 Central Park might have, a, you have to check the, the description there for what's uh, suggested. But I mean, there's no black tie requirements anywhere. That that's I mean, that's far above beyond what you need to do. So there's good news for that in terms of packing. Now for women, you know, again, we're talking about a nice dress, uh, even some nice jeans and a nice blouse will, will do. You basically got to wear something nicer than you would to the pool deck. In general, you're talking about no tank tops, especially for men. Uh, no hats. Shorts are usually frowned upon, but there's been varying degrees of success in terms of getting that in there. My, my thought is, you know, something you would wear to... Uh, something you would not wear to the beach, you know? And that's, generally speaking, a nice pair of pants and a collared shirt for men. And even for women, it's a nice pair of pants and a, and a nice shirt, blouse... I, I believe it or not, I'm not up on my latest women's fashion and what what constitutes there, but you know, something nice. I, and I think that 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 phrase, something nice, should mean should conjure up an image in your mind of what that is. But I, what I'm trying to do is, I don't want to be one of those people who's saying you have to wear a tuxedo or you know or a ball gown in order to fit in. No, absolutely not. That's that that would be you can and you can certainly feel free to, and there will be some people who will be doing that. However, it's not required. That, that, I hope, is, is really clear there. And for the parties, 
Like I said, if you say, you know what, I'd love to go to an 80s party, but I really don't want to get dressed up, or it's not my thing, or I don't know if I want to get dressed up, don't worry about it. Show up in whatever you're wearing, because they're totally fine. <laughs> they want people out there. They don't really care necessarily if they're dressed up. Certainly, it's nice if everyone can be, but it's not by far no requirement or anything like that. Now, the other thing in terms of getting dressed up beyond formal night and the and the and any of the events that are going on, there's not a whole lot of other dress codes that are required. Certainly, there are a couple of things you might want to keep in mind. If your ship has a ice skating rink on board, right? So this is a Voyager Freedom Oasis class ship. You have a ice skating ability. You do need long pants or jeans, is usually what most people wear, but you can't wear shorts and you need socks and you don't want to be in the business of borrowing socks, trust me. So bring socks and long pants if you want to do ice skating. The rock climbing wall requires closed-toed shoes, no flip-flops, so keep that in mind. You know, those are the only real requirements uh, that are there. I think also the um, iFly, ripcord by iFly on the on the Quantum Clash ships also require uh, closed-toed shoes. You're not going to want flip-flops in there because those flip-flops will fly right away if you try to pull one of those. But it's a, it's a fun thing, and I think it really depends, again, on what ship you're wearing. The bottom line, and this is what I try to convey about any dress code, any what-to-pack things are, it's your vacation. Don't worry too much about you know, packing the right clothes for any other experiences, because 90% of the time you can wear whatever you want to wear that's going to be conducive to the average day on board, right? Hanging out by the pool, being, you know, for, for uh, being in your room, where, where being on shore, that's important to really research and understand, we know, what the weather's going to be like, what's going to be appropriate for there. But on board the ship, there's very few places and very few restrictions that you really need to be worried about. Now, Paul's other question, and I think this is also very important, is what can't be brought on board a ship? Now, Royal Caribbean has a list of prohibited items that cannot be brought on board, and I'll go through these. Some are very obvious, some are not so obvious. Now, let's start with the obvious ones. Firearms and ammunition, including realistic replicas, that's important. Not the fire. I think most people understand you shouldn't bring a gun on board. But in realistic replicas, again, for Halloween, if you're dressing up as a cowboy, it might not be a good idea to bring your, your fake revolver there, because it says no realistic replicas. Uh, also, you're not allowed to bring sharp objects, including knives and scissors. However, personal grooming items such as safety razors are allowed, and scissors with blade length of less than four inches are allowed as well. Illegal drugs and substances are not allowed on board. This next one is really important because I think a lot of people miss this one. Candles, incense, coffee makers, clothes irons, travel steamers, and hot plates are not allowed. Basically, anything that generates heat or produces an open flame, including heating pads, clothing irons, Hot plates, candles, incest, and anything that create a fire hazard are not allowed. So you cannot bring any appliance. No Keurigs, no nothing like that. Now, the only exception, again, are things that are meant to be used in the bathroom, like uh, your hair irons that are, you know, these are appliances that have an auto safety switch, uh, electric razors, right, for men. Those things are, are okay. Also, matches and normal lighters are allowed on board. Uh, however, torch lighters and novelty lighters that look like guns are not allowed on board. Uh, torch lighters emit a powerful concentrated flame and therefore are prohibited. So, use some logic, I guess, when you're talking. Basically, fire is the big concern here. That's why these things are not allowed on there. If you're wondering how do we do laundry on board, you don't. You either send it out for dry cleaning through Royal Caribbean, they offer that service to you, or you just bring enough clothing that you don't need to worry about it. Also not allowed on board are baseball bats, hockey sticks, cricket bats, bows and arrows, illegal drugs. I think it's twice. Actually, it's funny on our list. Illegal drugs are listed twice as not being on board. Uh, skateboards and surfboards are not allowed on board. That's kind of interesting as I read that because I know I've seen certain guests bring their Flowrider boards on there. Uh, I think there's a difference between surfboards, like I'm going to go surf in the ocean, 
versus flow rider boards but for what it's worth it says here this is also a new one aerial drones are not allowed on board and keep that in mind if you were trying to bring yours on there martial arts gear self-defense gear including handcuffs pepper spray night sticks are not allowed flammable liquids and explosives including lighter fluid and fireworks are not allowed on board hookahs and water hookah pipes not allowed ham radios not allowed electrical extension cords okay so they say electrical extension cords that's correct however i do have a small one that i bring on board i've never had any issues granted i don't necessarily declare it but it's in my bag it goes through the x-ray machine i've seen them look at it a hundred times it's one of those small ones it's it's a it's a power strip but it's only got like three outlets on there um so you basically want to protect yourself uh you know make sure you have something on there that you're okay with perhaps leaving back behind the other thing that a lot of people bring on board now very popular are usb extension uh devices i want to say cords because cording infers that there's a there's a cord involved right there's a uh, it's it's more of a thing that you plug into one uh, into a power outlet and it provides a number of USB um, outlets and this is obviously useful for charging devices because on a lot of n- non newer ships basically anything older than an Oasis or Quantum class ship there's not a whole lot of outlets on board the ship that's probably the biggest issue you're going to run into is that there's like literally two <laughs> that are available to get to so that involves a lot of unplugging plugging back in in order to charge devices and these days i mean you've got your phone you've got your ipad you got your kid's ipad you got your wife's ipad and there's a lot of devices that you got to charge right your computer so the thing what i'm trying to tell you is in practice it's okay to bring these usb extenders and uh and, and so forth i bring them I guess what I would tell you is I'm reading here on board electrical extension cords are not available. So you can't bring the extension cord that you would use to, you know, power your Christmas tree necessarily. But there is a little bit of wiggle room there based on personal experience. So, again, I will put out a your mileage may vary warning. But in my experience, I've not had any issues with those other devices. You're not allowed to bring dangerous chemicals, including bleach and paint on board. And lastly, you're not allowed to bring alcoholic beverages. However... Guests are allowed to bring two bottles of wine. Alcoholic beverages that are purchased in ports of call or from shops on board will be stored by the ship and delivered to you on the last day of sailing. Alcoholic beverages seized on Evercash Day will not be returned. So keep that in mind when you're planning. And I think many of you know this, but you can bring up to two bottles of wine per stateroom on board your ship with you on embarkation day, not on day four when you're in, say, Martin and you buy it there. That's not going to fly. They'll they'll uh they'll take it and they'll give it back to you on the last day of the cruise but you can do two bottles of wine per stateroom you can bring on board and and, and wine is considered uh not obviously red and white wine but also champagne champagne is a, is a type of wine so that's okay too but no alcohol should be brought on board the ship uh so keep that in mind when you're when you're playing it. otherwise everything else is more or less in play so to speak and and i think it's important to understand what's not allowed and what is allowed one of the interesting going through this list you know what's not on the list and i thought it was and maybe they've updated their list is bottled water i get this question all the time can i bring bottled water on board the ship or can i bring soda on board the ship can i bring basically anything any sort of liquid that is not alcohol now originally and this is actually news to me because i'm literally reading this off royal Caribbean's website here in late very late 2016 now, if you dig through the Royal Caribbean website, you'll find another page that says, Guests are not allowed to bring beer, hard liquor, fortified wines, or non-alcoholic beverages on board for consumption, or any other use on boarding day or while in port. Alcoholic beverages seized on boarding day will not be returned. So, here's the here's the thing. In reality, in practice, yes, you cannot bring beer, hard liquor, fortified wines, I don't know what that is, 
and other alcoholic beverages on board. That is a clear 100% black and white rule. It will be seized. It's not allowed. Bottom line, no question about it. Now, bringing, again, you're a Pepsi drinker or you like Dr. Pepper or, or you want to bring bottled water or you want to bring uh, something else that's non-alcoholic on board, in my experience... And in many guest experience, Royal Caribbean tends to look the other way about that kind of stuff. Certainly, they're most concerned with people bringing alcohol. Let me give you an example. One time we were going on a cruise, and this was when one of my daughters was much younger. We had formula for her, and we wanted to bring bottled water on board because it was just going to make our, our lives simpler than trying to track down water on board and, or paying for water on board. So what we did was we, my wife put the water in the suitcase, and we checked the suitcase through Royal Caribbean. Long story short, we get to the end of the embarkation day and my luggage is not showing up and I got a call on the voicemail to come pick up my luggage so I go down to deck two because it's been flagged by security and in the x-ray machine they can see that there are bottles of something the x-ray machine as you might imagine doesn't actually show what it is it just shows that there's bottles in there and so what they had me do was they had me open up the bag they looked at it Royal Caribbean security saw that it was just bottled water it was sealed and they had me they let me go on my way so in it's one of those weird things where even though I just wrote to you, read to you, you know, non-alcoholic beverages are not allowed to be brought on board. In practice, it is. My recommendation, though, is very much a don't ask, don't tell policy. Put it in your, I advise actually to put it in your carry-on luggage if you can, just to avoid, because if you put it in your checked luggage, you will have the exact same thing happen to you that happened to me, which is your luggage is going to get delayed. You're going to have to go down to deck two to security to go get it, claim it later. It just makes everything take longer. So, Put it in your in your carry-on luggage, and basically, you know, don't ask, don't tell is, is really the policy. Some people have reported success with when you're checking your luggage with the porters on embarkation day. You know, giving them just putting them out there like here's a case of water, right? And as if it's its own piece of luggage, and that way it's crystal clear, no pun intended, what the um, what the beverage is. And you know, you give the porter a, a, an extra five dollars or whatever, and it goes on its merry way, and it shows up there. I, I've heard mixed reviews about whether or not it works. Personally, if it were me, I would do it in your carry-on luggage. It just makes it a whole lot easier, and you can be more assured of it. So keep that in mind. I mean, it's one of those things that – it's one of those policies, and we talked about this in last week's episode when I had the three wishes about – I wish the policies were more standardized because clearly there have been a number of people who will tell you up and down, oh, yeah, I bring bottled water, I bring soda on board the ship. There's never been a problem. So why is it still listed on the rules? Uh, that's a debate for another day. But – it's important to understand that distinction there. So with that all being said, I hope that provides some insight into some of the things you have to pack for a Royal Caribbean cruise, beyond the obvious things, you know, shorts and bathing suits and, and whatnot, because there are a lot of activities going on. But the good news is very few activities have a dress code to them. Even fewer have actually enforced the dress code to the point where you would feel ostracized or out of place by not doing it. They, at the end of the day, a Royal Caribbean cruise is about you having a good time, and they want you to be there, be a part of the fun. Hey, if you can dress up and, and dress the part, so to speak, that's even better. But they're not also going to make you feel worse for not doing it. So, Paul, thank you for the email. Great idea for a podcast episode, and I appreciate uh, you writing in, and I hopefully this will be helpful not only to Paul, but other folks who are looking to plan and pack for their next Royal Caribbean cruise. Well, it's time to answer your listener emails. I love this part of the show because it's my opportunity to talk Royal Caribbean with all of you. And you have a question, a comment, a thought, hey, send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. 
gmail.com. And our first email today comes us from Mark Van Niekerk. I hope I pronounced that right. M. Vanny on Periscope and Twitter. Right time out, my wife and I will be joining you on the February 2017 Royal Caribbean blog group cruise and cannot wait. I have a question for you about places to eat breakfast outside. We've previously taken eight cruises, seven with Royal Caribbean, and six of those on Majesty of the Seas with one on Navigator of the Seas. On our other cruise, our other cruise rather, was on Celebrity Millennium. And one of the most noteworthy things for me was the Ocean Cafe slash Ocean Grill on Deck 10, where we were able to take our buffet breakfast to an outdoor seating area on the stern of the ship. It was fabulous to be able to eat outside and enjoy coffee in the open air. Do you know of any Royal Caribbean ships with similar outdoor seating for food? Thanks for the podcast and look forward to meeting you in February. Mark, I cannot wait to meet you on the group cruise. I'm so excited about that. Of course, we have a number of Royal Caribbean blog group cruises lined up. And the first one coming up is uh, Navigator of the Seas in February. We've got another one on Harmony of the Seas in September 2017. And if you want more information about any or all of our group cruises, including a no-obligation quote, to join us for it, go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. Royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. I will, of course, post a link in our show notes to it. So to answer your question, Mark, yes, there are ships that do have this. Actually, the Radiance-class ships and the Quantum-class ships have an outdoor seating area as part of the Windjammer buffet. So... I think very similar to what you described here on the Celebrity Millennium. You get your food inside the Windjammer. There's plenty of seating inside. But as you walk to the back, there's an outdoor seating area. And that is either covered or open air, let's put it that way. And there's actually a lot of it. I love this. I discovered this when I was on Jewel Disease for the first time. I was like, wow, what a difference. And I agree, Mark. It's really nice to be able to take your food, whether it's your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, whatever. Go outside and enjoy it with a nice ocean breeze passing by, especially morning breakfast. Oh, it's so nice. And again, this on the Radiance-class ships and the Quantum-class ships, they built it in. It's kind of cool because of the Radiance-class ships, they did this. And we didn't see this on the Voyager Freedom or Oasis-class ships. But then with the Quantum-class ships, they started adding it back in, which is a really neat option. I really like it. I encourage you all, if you're on one of these kind of ships, to check it on out. Because if you're on, you know, this is Brilliance of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, Jewel of the Seas, right? They have these options there. It is a very nice thing. You got it's. Almost, I'm saying if you're on one of these ships, I'm going to say it's a must-do at least once because on a, on a great, beautiful morning, there's nothing better than having your eggs and coffee outside on in the in the outside outside uh, dining portion of the Windjammer. Of course, you can also on any ship take your food and go somewhere else. Uh, a very popular option is to take your food and walk to the pool deck because there's seating out there. And in the morning, it's not usually too busy yet, and you get that similar sensation. It's not quite the same thing, but I have done that before. I remember on Quantum of the Seas, it was very busy, because I think I, it was a sea day, and I woke up late, because, you know, YOLO sleeping, right? Who doesn't enjoy sleeping in on a cruise ship? And I actually took my food from the Windjammer, and I went to the indoor pool area, because they were seating out there, and I decided to have my, my food by the pool. Not a bad way to spend my morning, right? So, keep in mind, there are other options, but yes, a specific dining area in the back of the ship, just like on the Celebrity Millennium, Radiance-class ships, and Quantum-class ships. Mark, thank you for the email. Great question, and it's always good when we get to talk, tackle new ideas. Now, this is, speaking of interesting questions, how about this one from Mike, who writes, Matt, dumb question, would you be allowed to fly a kite off the top deck of a cruise ship while sailing? So, Mike, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. However, my gut instinct is that it's not going to be allowed. There's a variety of reasons for it. There's safety. Uh, there's also the fact that if you were to lose the kite and would go into the, obviously would end up in the oceans or somewhere else other than the ship, that's littering. Obviously, Royal Green doesn't want you to do that. So, you know, it could strike a fellow passenger. You could certainly contact Royal Green and ask. I would be, quite honestly, 
very, very surprised if, it, if they were allowed to do it on the back of the ship. However, of course, you could take your kite and go on shore somewhere, go to a beach somewhere on, you know, Bermuda or St. Martin or wherever you happen to be going, uh-huh. and use the kite there. But, no, I, I highly doubt you'd be able to fly it off the back of the ship. I did a little bit of research trying to find something, but I only found, you know, conjecture and some, you know, stories about it. But, uh, actually, one of the best places, if you want to fly a kite, the best place uh-huh. to fly a kite is actually in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Old San Juan, next to El Moro. That's the one of the big Spanish forts there. And between the street and El Moro, there's a large expanse, a large flat expanse. It's all grass. And this area is actually very well known for flying kites. So it's very impressive to see, especially on it because it's nearly always windy over there. And there's always a lot of people flying kites there to begin with. So if you want to do it on your own, yeah, absolutely. Go check it out. In fact, being in, in San Juan, you could probably just for, forego trying to even pack it. Just stop by a CVS or one of the stores in, in, in Old San Juan and pick one up. But, you know, if you're a professional or whatever, you can bring yours there. But yeah, you'll find a lot over there. That's a cool place to do it. But on board the ship, not so much. That's a good question, Mike. It's certainly points for bringing up something that has not been brought up on this podcast before. Next, we have an email from AJ who writes, Hello, Matt. First of all, love the podcast and the daily blog. Keep up the good work. My family and I are going on alert this season, June 2017. This is our first time on an Oasis-class ship, but I have a few questions. We're departing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and our ports of call are Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Kitts. First of all, uh, we have two adjoining Boardwalk balcony cabins, and I was wondering if we will be able to see the Aqua Theater shows from our balcony. Start there. Can you see the ocean, the uh, aqua theater from your from your boardwalk balconies? The answer is it depends on where your balcony room is. The further aft it is, the easier it is to see. I will point out that there are obstructions in your way, so it's not going to be an ideal location. When we were on Harmony of the Seas, I watched it from someone uh, a Royal Caribbean blog reader's uh, cabin because their cabin was like literally the last room that wasn't an aqua theater suite. Uh, big shout out to Tim and Kim. Let me come up there and, and totally check out the show from up there. It, it is cool. There are some obstructions. Even from there, they had literally the last room on, like, deck. I want to say it was 11, but I could be making 9 or 11. It doesn't matter. But the point was, there was a, you had to move your head a little bit now and then to be able to see it. But depending, if your room is more than, I would say, six cabins away from the aft of the ship, you're not going to see a whole lot, and it would it would be almost a waste of time to try to see it that way. So, again, AJ, the answer is it depends on where your room is. But... Short of being in an aqua theater sweep, there are very few standard balcony rooms that afford a decent view of the aqua theater. But it is technically possible, depending on how willing you are to stick your neck out and, and uh-huh. check it on out. Hey, your second question is, is Allure still following dynamic dining? And if so, could you explain what that is? I'm a little confused about how it works. The answer is no. In fact, Allure the Seas never actually got dynamic dining. They, they were slated to get it. In fact, a lot of ships were slated to get it. And then Royal Caribbean scaled back those plans. And as you probably know by now, AJ, Dynamic Dining is now officially dead across all Royal Caribbean ships. So it's traditional dining. You either have the the pick of, uh, again, traditional dining with fixed dining times or my time dining. So don't worry about Dynamic Dining. It's not there. Even though the dining rooms on Alertencies have been redesigned or rethemed, I should probably say, to account for Dynamic Dining. Basically, they just have different motifs instead of having a unified motif. But it's the same experience. And lastly, AJ wants to know any tips for what to do in ports while we're visiting would really help. Um, now you're visiting, let me back up here in the question. Ah, Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Kitts. St. Kitts, I've been there once and I did a train tour, which I enjoyed. It, the reason why I liked it was there were a couple reasons. Number one, it's something I've never done before. 
there's very few. I think the advertising sink is the only, the last uh, real train left in the Caribbean, for what that's worth. Uh, also, we've never done a train tour only anywhere. And third, it was really good for kids, because we have young children uh, doing, you know, the kind of touring where you're doing a lot of walking around. Not really conducive for them. We can't do snorkeling with them. They're, they're too young for all that kind of stuff. So we want something that they, we can see a lot of stuff, but not be on a bus, right? That's not nearly as fun. You know, the train would be a lot of fun. And it was a cool thing. Would I recommend, would I, if I were to go to St. Kitts tomorrow, would I do it again? Probably not, because it's one of those, you know, I've done it, and I would like to try something else. But I would recommend it if you've got, depending on how large your family is, AJ, and, you know, how old everybody is, that's a decent option. In St. Thomas, it's a beach day. I would recommend going to a place like Megan's Bay. It's beautiful. If you've never been to Megan's Bay, I would highly recommend it. Take a taxi. Ha- have them stop somewhere like Mountaintop, or there's a couple different areas you can go to. I- it's a beautiful area, and Megan's Bay is a beautiful beach, so you really can't go wrong there. Nassau, if you've never been to Nassau, I do recommend taking a tour. I would rec- book something with Royal Caribbean, take like a bus tour, like a half-day kind of thing. Check it on out. Of course, Atlantis is a very popular option as well. We did a podcast episode not too long ago, AJ, with my good friend Aaron Foster, where we talked about things to do in Nassau. It's it's kind of funny, because Nassau is such a popular cruise port in terms of the number of ships that go there. It's such a close cruise port. It's a very mature cruise port, and yet it seems like many, many people are always wondering, what do I do in Nassau? It's kind of weird, but anyway, uh, that episode may provide some more uh, tips and, and advice on what to do over there. It kind of depends. I, I think, generally speaking, Nassau should be a uh-huh. beach day or a or resort kind of a day. Um, either go to a beach and or use like something I always recommend. You know, like resort for a day. Dot com. One of those day passes to a resort. For what it's worth, I'm going to Nassau in March on Anthem of the Seas, and we have booked uh, the British Colonial Hilton through resortforday.com. It's a day pass to get in there. I've never been there yet, so when I get back, I'll have a review of it. But that's what I'm planning on doing, so I don't know if that holds any water with you, but if it does, hey, even better. Awesome. Well, AJ, I look forward to uh, hearing your feedback on your cruise and what you end up doing there. The good news is about all the ports you visit, doesn't matter which one it is, do your research. There's going to be fun things to do on there, and don't be afraid to get off the ship with no plans. Some ports, I recommend having plans, but certain ports, Cozumel comes to mind, I think St. Thomas is another one. You don't have to have plans planned out, booked, and, and ready to go. There is some value in just getting off the ship and exploring. Not all ports. Some ports, it doesn't really work that way, and you'd be better off with plans. Uh, St. Lucia is one of them. Falmouth, I think, is another one. But don't don't be afraid to get off the ship, literally poke your head around, look around, talk to even some people out there, because there'll be plenty of people who are going to try to offer you tours. Maybe even walk around a little bit, get a sense of what's going on. Don't be afraid of that. I know I'm all about planning and, and you know, say you do everything in advance, which you generally benefit from, and I think it makes your cruise experience better. But there is something to be said about just winging it and seeing where it goes. So thank you for the email, AJ. And uh, you know what? Thank you to everybody for the wonderful emails. And, of course, I really appreciate all the support and feedback we've received over this year. It's it's kind of amazing to think this is the last podcast episode of 2016. It has flown by, and I'm looking forward to a lot of great things coming up in 2017. And I hope you'll be joining us for it because a lot of great new podcast episodes, ideas, and, of course, sharing with you the Royal Caribbean experience right here on the podcast. So I'm wishing everybody a very happy new year. Hope you do something fun with family, get to relax a little bit during the holidays here, unless, unless of course, you're listening to this episode in, like, 2019, then, hey, happy July 4th, everybody. <laughs> 
All right, my friends. Thank you for hanging out with us here, and we'll talk again very soon right here on the Royal Queen Blog Podcast. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.